0: year ahead is starting to take its toll. After we eventually make it to Claire's house, as I mindlessly start undoing what I think is the back wheel, he describes how I can make paper and ink from mushrooms. Exhausted but intrigued by his ramblings, I'm increasingly frustrated at my difficulty in getting the wheel off. At the precise moment I think I should get some food inside me before I either pass out or shove a death-cap mushroom down Fergus's throat... There's a huge ping, and something that looks rather important springs across the room. Instead of loosening the wheel, in my exhaustion I've released the rear derailleur. This really isn't very good news. With the exception of my body, this bike is easily the most important possession for my impending experiment. Actually, it's not merely important, it's absolutely essential. It's a 36-mile round trip on foot to many of my sources of potential food and wood, and 18 miles to most of my friends. Without the bike, travelling to meetings would become impossible, and I wouldn't have a hope in hell of being able to scavenge for the bits and pieces I'll inevitably need throughout the year. I know a bit about bikes, but something as intricate as the rear derailleur is beyond me. In my previous moneyed existence, if something went seriously wrong with the bike, I took it to the bike shop, bought some new parts, and paid the nice assistant to fix it. That, however, was no longer an option. I'd spent the day talking to reporters about how for six months I'd been preparing myself to succeed in living without money for a year, and here I was, four hours before I'd officially started, lying... Completely mentally and physically exhausted beside a freshly mangled bicycle that was at the heart of my plans. Given the fact that I was also due to cook a free three course meal the next day for 150 people, made from wild and urban foraged foods that I hadn't yet gathered, I was starting to feel the strain. It wasn't just the bicycle that worried me, it was one small example of the thousands of problems I encountered in a normal year. The difference was that, in the past, I could have thrown money at my problems, whenever and wherever they arose. I realised what a precarious position I was in, about to enter a world of which I had very little experience. For the first time, I felt vulnerable. The simplest of tasks, tasks that, up to now, I would have taken for granted, would become extremely difficult, if not impossible. Was this experiment doomed to failure from the start? I decided not to think about it. There was no backing out, and, anyway, millions of people had heard me talk about it, which added considerably to the pressure I was feeling. And so, as I lay there, covered in oil, full of apprehension, exhausted, stressed, and staring at the ceiling, so many thoughts flew through my mind. How on earth had I managed to get to this point in my life, and why the hell did I end up embarking on this seemingly impossible mission so publicly? Chapter 1. Why Moneyless? Money is a bit like love. We spend our entire lives chasing it, yet few of us understand what it actually is. It started out in many respects as a fantastic idea. Once upon a time, people used barter instead of money to look after many of their transactions. On market day, people walked around with whatever they'd produced. The bakers took their bread, the potters brought their earthenware, the brewers dragged their barrels of ale, and the carpenters carried wooden spoons and chairs. They negotiated with the people they hoped would have something of value to them. This was a really great way for people to get together, but it wasn't as efficient as it could have been. If Mr Baker wanted some ale, he went to see Mrs Brewer. After a chat about the kids, Mr Baker would offer some bread in return for some of Mrs Brewer's delicious ale. A lot of the time, this would be perfectly acceptable, and both parties would come to a happy agreement. But, and here's where the problem began, sometimes Mrs Brewer didn't want bread, or didn't think her neighbour was offering enough in exchange for her beer. Yet, Mr Baker had nothing else to offer her. This problem has become known as the double coincidence of wants. Each person in a transaction has to have something the other person wants. Perhaps Mrs Brewer had discovered her husband was gluten intolerant, and so Mr Baker had been contributing to her lesser half's irritable bowel syndrome. Or, rather than bread, she really wanted a new spoon from Mrs Brewer.